Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Colored Red. My name is Laura, and this is a podcast all about Colorado true crime. I hope you guys enjoyed my new intro music that was a little ditty that was written and composed by my boyfriend, Mark Rossi. So thank you, Mark. And he did that for my birthday as a gift. So that will be featured at the beginning of every episode from now on. So now I've got something to listen to at the beginning, which is fun. So I'm not one for yammering on the big intro. You guys know this by now. But I'm going to remind everyone that I do have a um, Instagram at Colored Red Podcast where you can go on and view images about today's episode. But I'm going to jump right into today's story, which takes us all the way back to Aspen, Colorado in 1976. This is a story that some might consider to be the biggest scandal in the history of professional skiing, and I don't really say that lightly, and the murder itself made worldwide headlines at that time, but not a ton of people have heard about it today. This story involves a beautiful French actress, a bitter celebrity singer, a handsome professional athlete, and they all come together in what's known as the murder of Spider Sabich in Aspen, Colorado in 1976. The 70s were a super wild decade for Aspen, as they were all across the world. Um, the ski town was home to many celebrities and wealthy travelers, but it wasn't quite overrun with designer handbag stores or stuck-up elites just yet, as it is today. It was truly this beautiful, high-class ski town that still had a really rustic charm. So naturally, where there's money and there's celebrity in the 70s, there were also drugs, Cocaine and other drugs pulsed through the town, and winter sports athletes came to party and rub elbows with celebrities in this town specifically. It was truly a 70s party mecca and complete destination. So you may remember a bit about Aspen from my episode about the murder of Nancy Pfister, where I go a little bit more into the history and culture of Aspen. And Nancy Pfister's family from that episode was really instrumental in developing Aspen into the major skiing mecca that it is. And it's where young Nancy Pfister began her life as the wealthy party girl that she was. But the Pfisters, for all they owned in Aspen, were only a small part of that scene at that time. For instance, Hunter S. Thompson owned a home up there and became a fixture of the wild parties himself, and John Denver also owned a home just outside of Aspen, and even the sheriff's department was rumored to take part in the action and turn the other cheek when necessary. Aspen gave rise to several it couples of the 70s, one of which was French-born singer and actress Claudine Langette and her boyfriend, Spider Savage, a professional skier. Spider was a member of the U.S. ski team and an Olympic athlete. The couple was an attractive duo for this brief time that they were together up there, but here's the part that I know you're all waiting for. Things aren't always what they seem on the surface. So on March 21st, 1976, police received a frantic call from Claudine. The police arrived at the chalet where her and Spider and her three kids from a previous marriage were living, and they discovered Spider bleeding out on the floor of his bathroom from a gunshot wound to his stomach. He died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, and so the police's so-called investigation into the murder of Spider Savage by Claudine Langette was launched. 
So before the trial of O.J. Simpson or the Menendez brothers, there was the trial of Claudine Langette, and the outcome of this trial would have people all over the world talking about what happened in the bathroom of that chalet in Aspen, Colorado. But first, who is Spider Savage? Spider was born Vladimir Peter Savage Jr., and he was the grandson of Croatian immigrants. He was actually born prematurely, and he had very thin arms and legs as an infant, and so his father nicknamed him Spider, and that's a name that stuck with him permanently, and this is the name that everybody called him. Spider's father was an officer of the California Highway Patrol and a former prisoner of war during World War II while being a B-25 pilot in the Air Force. Spider had two siblings, Mary and Steve, and the family grew up learning to ski in the Edelweiss Ski Area in California. The family was this true ski family. They spent much of their winters on the slopes, and they were also devoted Catholics who would spend their days skiing after Mass. The kids would even be dropped off at the ski slopes in their father's patrol car. The family went as far at one point to hire a ski coach for the children, and his name was Lutz. Let's just keep it at that. And he was a German who taught kids European-style ski racing, and the two Savage Boys in particular quickly became junior stars, among other young male racers at Edelweiss, who at that time were called the Highway 50 Boys. Unfortunately, today, the Edelweiss ski area um, was actually closed in the 1960s after a bad snow year, but today it's known as Camp Sacramento. So Spider and his brother Steve established themselves as top junior ski racers in Northern California in the 1960s after graduating high school. And they were both offered ski scholarships to University of Colorado in Boulder, where at that time there was a dominant collegiate program and ski team. The head coach for the ski team was Bob Beatty, and he was also the coach of the U.S. ski team. Spider wasn't just focused on skiing, though. He majored in aeronautical engineering. His brother Steve didn't have as much success following a knee injury, which ended his career in college. So Spider would go on to join the national team, which at that time was quite full of CU Boulder students and alumni. At age 22, Spider placed fifth in the slalom in the thick fog of the 1968 Winter Olympics. He had a World Cup victory only two months later out South Lake Tahoe. He finished eighth in the slalom standings for the 1968 and was the U.S. downhill champion that year as well. Um, Spider reached the podium three times for the World Cup in 1969 before falling out of the top 10 in 1970. So despite these successes, Spider was not actually part of a professional team. So Spider turned pro after 1970 and won his first title as a pro. The pro United States team was part of the attempt to popularize skiing in the United States in the 60s and 70s, and it was headed by his former coach from CU Boulder, Bob Beatty. Spider was this incredibly charismatic and handsome guy. His celebrity was a huge driver for the popularity of skiing as a professional sport at that time. He's even suspected to be the inspiration behind Robert Redford's not-as-likable character in the 1969 film Downhill Racer. Spider won the pro championships in 1971 and 1972 and got a decent amount of endorsements that had not been heard of before then for skiers. 
So his annual income at that point was pushed over $100,000 a year. And at that time, that was pretty big money, particularly for an athlete. With this new money, he moved from Boulder to Aspen, Colorado, and he and his brother bought a house in 1971. So to put into perspective how much this home grew in value and how much Aspen changed over the years, it was built for $90,000, and in 1976, it was worth approximately $250,000. In the mid-90s, this exact chalet was worth $3 million. So Spider also earned his pilot license during this time and purchased a twin-engine Piper Aztec, which he flew to and from skiing events all over North America. Spider was on the cover of magazines, and he was speaking in interviews on TV. He was everywhere. He was like the Michael Phelps of the 70s, and he was on top of the world. But unfortunately, soon after all of these purchases, Spider injured himself twice during his competitions for the 1973 Pro title, and he wound up hospitalized. After this, it was just one injury after another, and his last victory in the pro circuit would come in January of 1974, and by this time he was really struggling to maintain his success. During the month of one particularly damaging knee injury, he was actually featured on the cover of GQ magazine as one of skiing's richest racers. By 1976, he qualified for only two races and took home only $800 before dying in March of that year. Spider's rise and fall from glory happened over the span of only six years, and one particular woman was at the helm of all of this. During those six years, he met the woman who would end up shooting him to death. Her name was Claudine Langette. Claudine was born in Paris, France, and her career started in television in 1963 as she appeared on two episodes of McHale's Navy, and she acted in the McHale's Navy feature film as well. She acted on a number of television programs in the 60s, and she acted opposite Peter Sellers in the 1968 movie The Party. She also appeared on quite a lot of the Andy Williams show after marrying Andy Williams himself in 1960. So briefly a bit about Andy Williams, because he is a sort of important player in this story. He ran a variety show that lasted a little over a decade called The Andy Williams Show, and he was a popular singer and host and recording artist for some time. Claudine and Andy initially met while she was dancing for a show at a casino in Las Vegas, and later on Andy spotted her on the side of the road having car trouble and assisted her. They were married shortly after, and she was only 18 at this time while he was 32. They ended up having three children together, and they often spent time hanging out with Senator Robert F. Kennedy and his wife Ethel, and Claudine was very close with Bobby Kennedy, so close in fact that she was in his company at the Ambassador Hotel when he was shot by an assassin. So, to put this all into some perspective here, so this is just putting it all into perspective that Claudine and Andy lived this privileged life and money was flowing, and it eventually, of course, as all things do, and as things do that lead up to true crime stories, it started to sort of fall apart. They legally separated in 1970, and around that time, Claudine began her relationship with Spider. 
Claudine and Andy remained good friends, however, and they weren't even divorced officially until 1975, and that good friendship would end up working out well for Claudine in the end. But back to Claudine and her relationship with Spider. She herself had her singing debut after a record producer caught her English and French bilingual song on the NBC show Run For Your Life, and then ran into her in a club later and offered her a recording contract. So, she, man, she is the luckiest person to run into people, isn't she? She would record five albums for A&M Records between 1966 and 1970, and she enjoyed a modest popularity from this. And at one point, she self-titled an album called Claudine, and that topped out at number 11 on the Billboard Pop Albums chart for the United States. And here is a little bit of some of her music, which is quite lovely. You're not a dream, you're not an angel, you're a man. I'm not a queen, I'm a woman, take my hand. We'll make a space in the lives that we planned And here we'll stay until it's time for you to go Yes, we're different worlds apart, we're not the same We laughed and played at the start like any game I've stayed outside my heart, but in you came, and here you'll stay until it's time for you to go. So at some point during the end of Claudine's downfall with her marriage to Andy Williams, she met Spider, who was reaching the peak of his celebrity. She met Spider at this celebrity ski race in Bear Valley, California, and witnesses and friends would say that they had this immediate and intense attraction between each other. And at the time of their meeting, Spider was actually just the top racer on the U.S. tour, and he was earning his highest earnings at around $200,000 per year, which is honestly just unheard of for a skier at this time. They instantly became this top celebrity couple in Aspen, and the paparazzi was out in full force, and there's tons of pictures of them which I'm going to be posting online. In 1973, Spider invited Claudine and all of her three children to move in with him to his chalet. Up until this point, he was living a bachelor and party lifestyle while still remaining focused on skiing, and when Claudine and her kids moved in, that was all just suddenly over. There were many reports over the years of this tumultuous relationship starting between the two pretty much immediately when she moved in with him. Witnesses say that at one point she threw a glass of wine at Spider's head at a nightclub when she felt that he wasn't giving her enough attention. 
and she forbade him from attending a lot of ski-related promotional events, such as something called the Best Breast Bash in Aspen, which was, I guess, this comparison of women's boobs because the 70s were a weird time and a different time in the United States. This event has since been changed to a breast cancer research fundraiser. But she forbade him from going to that at all, which, you know, I might have been questionable about that one, too. Friends said Claudine was just highly possessive and clingy and that she was always suspicious that Spider wanted her gone because he was tired of her and her kids cramping his lifestyle. And it would turn out that she was pretty much right about that intuition. So fighting and arguing between the couple only escalated as they both grew older Spider became injured and lost a lot of his endorsements, and within the span of five or so years, they went from the top celebrity couple to a life and reality facing sort of uncertain futures. And I really only say that they're getting older in the sense that in terms of an athlete and a professional singer, their primes are really starting to get behind them, and they're both starting to realize that, and the money's starting to run out for Spider as well as for... Claudine, and things are just reaching this all-time high in terms of tension. And so Claudine and Spider's shared uncertain paths would come to this meeting point on March 21st, 1976. After spending the day training at Aspen Highlands and meeting with his coach Bob Beatty, Spider went home to shower before dinner plans. Claudine spent her day drinking at a fashionable bar in downtown Aspen that was known for its lax attitude to certain stimulants. When Spider was home, he stripped down to his long johns and was standing in the bathroom when Claudine walked in, holding an imitation World War II model Luger pistol. She shot him from some distance, roughly five feet, and he fell onto the floor and began to bleed out. She frantically called 911, and he slowly died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Spider was 31 at this time, and Claudine was 34. But the strange thing was that Claudine immediately admitted to shooting him, but she claimed that it was an accident, and that it occurred while she was trying to show him the gun. She would later say that Spider himself was trying to show her how it worked. She was arrested at that point for the shooting, and before the trial, Pitkin County sheriffs made several critical blunders in this investigation. First, they took a blood sample from her when they immediately arrived to the house after she called 911, and there was no warrant for this blood sample being taken, but they did find cocaine in her system. But at this time, I think they would have struggled to find really anyone in Aspen without cocaine in their system, and that probably includes the police themselves. They also bagged the gun with little regard for fingerprints or evidence, and they also searched the house and found a diary belonging to her, which they took without a warrant. Investigators would claim that the diary held critical information about exactly how tumultuous her relationship was with Spider and about her uncertainty and issues with his fall from the top of the professional skiing circuit. This 225-page journal that they collected of Claudine's was described by those who read it as this explosive thing in terms of what it revealed about the couple's intimate and reputedly turbulent relationship. 
And so despite the fact that Claudine would eventually concede that she and Savage had been thinking about relocating to a different address and leaving the chalet, Savage's coach and best friend, Bob Beatty, who was with him an hour before he died, confirms that Savage and his relationship with Longette was falling apart. And that Spider's former girlfriend, who married his brother Steve much later, said that Spider was trying to get rid of Claudine, who he said was regularly throwing tantrums. And that's exactly what Spider said to his former girlfriend. So he's been telling people around town that he's sick of Claudine, and she's, he's sick of her kids, and he wants them out of his life. So she and her three kids were in this really precarious situation, and the diary that they collected supposedly reflected this and really set up the entire case, the motive, and everything involved. But the trial and the judge would rule that the diary and the cocaine test were inadmissible because they were obtained without a warrant. And in no way that was helping her case whatsoever, six days after Spider's death, Claudine showed up at this outdoor memorial service in Aspen for him, and pictures survive of her standing in the front row of mourners in this tiny little mini dress, holding a flower, and appearing to be really upset. And her coming to this after she literally admitted to shooting him herself was really scandalous at that time. What's also going going to add to the whole story and just be a part of the scandal is that Longette's daughter, Noelle, because as we remember, her three children were in the house at this time as well. Her daughter, Noelle, stated in a deposition that her younger brothers were sledding at the time of this incident and that she said she heard Sabbath shout, Claudine, Claudine, and then found her mother calling 911. What they could use in trial, however, was the autopsy report of Spider. Spider's corpse had a single small wound in his abdomen just below the rib cage. The bullet had traversed through his stomach and his pancreas. The autopsy also indicated that at the time he was shot, he was bent over, facing away from her, and was roughly five to six feet away from her at the time, which doesn't exactly indicate that he was trying to show her how the gun worked. Also at the trial was the testimony of two law officers that she had confided in while she was in custody, and she said to them that she had pointed the gun at Savage and said bang bang as sort of a weird joke before it went off. Longette testified at the trial as well that Savage was standing in the bathroom and that she said to him, I would like you to tell me more about the gun and what the safety means, just before the weapon was discharged accidentally, at which point she said Savage fell and called my name three times before he lapsed into unconsciousness. This trial was huge news and it was front page news for a long time all over the country. Claudine's ex-husband, Andy Williams, would come to her side and he bought her the best legal team he could buy and he was again by her side in the courtroom for the defense the entire time of the trial. In fact, her legal team was the A-team to the prosecution's D-team, which was the deputy DA prosecutor who showed up wearing jeans in court, and he only gave a 22-minute closing remark compared to the hour-and-a-half diatribe flaked with bits of poetry from Claudine's defense. 
When the jury broke for deliberation, the prosecuting DA in his jeans headed straight to the bar to drink. And at this point, 70s are just popping off as a terrible time for trials in Colorado. And if you've read anything about Aspen's culture at this time, this sounds just about right. The jury ended up convicting her of this much lesser charge than manslaughter, and she was charged with misdemeanor negligent homicide. Following this charge, Claudine tearfully pled for mercy to the judge, saying that her children could become resentful against a system that would put her in jail. And so it would appear her pleas pretty much worked on this judge because the judge only fined her $250, and she was ordered to spend 30 days in jail. $250 and 30 days in jail. But the 30 days, and if that doesn't sound insane enough, the 30 days could be spent at any time and be broken up. So she went to the jail on the weekends to fulfill her sentence pretty much at her leisure. And she even convinced the jailer to let her paint her cell this bright and cheerful color. So there you go. Naturally, reactions to this verdict and the sentencing that came were not pleasant. Very few people believed Claudine's story, and Hunter S. Thompson, who again lived in Pitkin County and even ran for sheriff at one point in a bizarre campaign, described the whole affair as Aspen fouling its own nest. By this time, Aspen was known as a party town, but this case would start this long-held belief that existed for a long time and might even still, that Aspen was this place that just policed itself. And it quickly gathered a reputation for being amoral and being a hotspot of people so privileged and internally connected that they could get away with just about anything. Doubt about Claudine's story were exacerbated when Claudine started dating her defense attorney soon after the trial, despite the fact that he was married with two children at the time. And to discontinue the scandal and continue the headlines, Claudine and Andy Williams and their three children showed up for the funeral for Spider, who was buried in Northern California near where he grew up, and his family was not too happy to see her there. Claudine and Ron Austin, her former defense attorney, ended up marrying in 1985 and moved into a home in Aspen, where all reports indicate they still might live, but I'm not entirely sure about that. After the trial, the Savage family sued Longette for $1.3 million, and the case was resolved out of court with the provision that Longette never discuss or write about the killing of Spider Savage or the settlement. So just as an indication of how much this entire incident played into pop culture at that time, on April 24, 1976, there was an episode of Saturday Night Live featuring a skit entitled The Claudine Langette Invitational, in which male skiers were, quote-unquote, accidentally shot by Langette at the end of a slalom race. And eventually, producers of SNL were forced to issue an apology when threatened with legal action for this skit. The skit features Cheffy Chase interviewing Jane Curtin, who's playing a character that's supposed to be Claudine Langette. And I have scoured the internet to try to find this video, but I can't really find it anywhere. And I'm sure it's out there, but I just, someone probably has some better time to spend and the better skills at finding those kind of things. But 
Um, I do have some pictures and stills from this, so I'll be putting those up on the Instagram. Additionally, Mick Jagger composed a song about this case entitled Claudine. And among the lyrics are, now only Spider knows for sure, but he ain't talking about it anymore. Is he Claudine? There's blood in the chalet and blood in the snow. Washed her hands of the whole damn show. The song was supposed to be included on the Rolling Stones' 1980 Emotional Rescue album, but due to legal pressure, the group abandoned the song on that album before that album was released. But Claudine eventually got released, and apparently it was struggling to be released for legal reasons. Um, The track appears on the reissue of Some Girls, and I'll be ending the show today with that song. But before that, and before we end on that song, I will say that Spider Savage was inducted into the Colorado Ski Hall of Fame in 2009, and that is the end of Claudine and Spider's story. Thanks, guys. You guys have a good one. I will be back here in a couple weeks with a new Historical Murders episode, and as always, head to my Instagram at Colored Red Podcast to have a look at some pictures associated with this case. Thanks, everybody. Here's the Rolling Stones, Claudine. Claudine's back in jail again. Claudine's back in jail again. Claudine's back in jail again, Claudine. Claudine's back in jail again. Claudine's back in jail again. She only does it at weekends, Claudine. Now, old Spider knows the show. Right through the head